0: John Maxwell. This is Lexicon, the Liverpool John Moores University creative writing podcast. In this special edition, we're going to be chatting with producer Sarada McDermott about her career in film and television. Sarada will explore the rich tapestry of her career from Zombie Flick 28 Days Later all the way to the recent number one show on Netflix, the offbeat historical romp and pomp series Bridgerton, a Regency era drama which The Guardian described as the most talked about show on television. So, Radha, one thing I'm always curious about, because there's always a different answer to this question, is how you started out in film and TV in a place like Liverpool.
1: I, I've come through technical. So, um, actually, I started off doing accounts because that's how I got, through, I got through university session singing. Uh, wailing, you'll hear me on Gate Crusher dance albums, um, uh, and 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 basically do bookkeeping. Um, and did my first degree and didn't particularly enjoy it actually, but it wasn't called Media Studies, it was called Communication Arts, and it was a bit avant-garde and a bit new. And of course, we weren't on tape then, everything was on film, and I did a bit of radio and and stills and and then I started to do more stuff behind camera because the main module for me was theatre, uh, so I moved away from that a little bit. Um, and then I went to work at the BT Centre in Liverpool, uh, at the call-in centre, and just thought, okay, I am going to literally uh, sell my soul to the devil if I stay here, uh, and took out a loan and went off to film school in Sheffield, which was just, you know, a game changer. And then uh, sort of started, I did documentary filmmaking and sound recording uh, because of my music background. And i was still living in Liverpool. I had a lovely flat in Topstiff. Uh And then, so I was bouncing between Sheffield and Liverpool and making music videos of all my mates in Liverpool while making, you know, short films at the film school. And then I didn't mean to end up on feature films, but once I got there, I was very, very happy with myself and um, did a few jobs in accounts, and then realised that uh, I loved accounts, but it wasn't giving me the problem-solving side of what I really like doing, so I moved across into production. And and then what I say is I then worked up the ladder, basically, um, which everybody has to do within reason. How quickly you go depends upon how focused you are on what your end goal is. Uh, and you know, and taking opportunities and not being shy, which I am not.
0: Don't be shy. That's the message. Um, Twenty eight days later, um, still live strong in the memory. Uh, a seminal film, a film that changed how we made films in many ways. So, um, working with Danny Boyle, of course, as well, director of Train Spotting, um, but moving into horror. So. That must have been really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more on that, Sarada?
1: So I was an assistant coordinator when uh, when 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 I was doing this. So I'd also, you know, been working in the industry probably for five or six years by this point, and um, it was my first proper horror movie. And obviously, it's Danny Boyle. So you, I'm sure you all know Danny is and he's amazing, and actually he works with um, one of our local writers, um, Frank Cottrell Boyce, who I had a company with for a little while, and he's absolutely lovely, they're best friends. And um, it was the first one, well, the second one that I'd done on tape, um, you know, moving over from film. The one before that was 24-hour party people, which I don't know if if any of you have seen, but um, 28 Days Later was amazing, because um, for me, we just, we managed to close, like most of London down, the best scene filming was closing the M1. You know, I don't think you'd even be allowed to do it now. No. Um, I I just wasn't, you know, it's just sort of unheard of. But I just remember being there at five o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning and the police held all of the traffic. And you could just, you know, you you couldn't see anything. And they must've all been going nuts, you know, what's going on. They held it back for like 20 minutes while Brendan Gleeson is driving this taxi. Down the motorway, empty, and um, and then you, and then the police. You just ju- gradually saw the police just releasing all of these cars coming past. So that was pretty cool.
0: Um, I just and remember I- hearing there was there was this amazing sort of like logistical operation around it because it was shot on sort of prosumer cameras wasn't it at the time Mm -hmm. so you could you could just buy lots of these cameras and you know buy a a dog mantle was it who shot it anthony Mantle yeah
1: and Marcel Ziskind uh were doing it and anthony and Marcel. uh you know, they're from Copenhagen. And they both, yeah, the style is just amazing. Both both really not scared of handhelds and steady cam. Um, and it, 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 I don't know how much of this you guys have seen, but it is very intense. And actually yeah. that's where I met Chris Gill, the editor, who I'm gonna be working with on my current show, who's basically a genius. Um, and just really good at the music and, you know, uh, obviously with Danny's uh, editing. Yeah, it's just a great, great project. Um, and you know I was doing all the accommodation we were traveling people around I think I was housing about two I probably had my first panic attacks trying to book all this accommodation in um in Salisbury and I've got zombies standing over me <laughs> with literally mm. blood coming down and he's like you know they, they changed all the colors of their eyes and I'm going yeah okay it's all right we'll sort you out in a and b you know and so it was all of that mm. but there's a lot of night shoots um But that that was, you know, um, September the 11th happened when we were putting that show together. And actually, I I think I did Nicholas Nickleby after it. And then I went traveling around the world for 18 months. And I was in a hotel room in Singapore. And it came up and it it was number one. And it's that moment of just sat there just thinking, oh, my God. Wow. You know, something that Mm -hmm. I've made is number one around the world. That's really cool. Um, And so... Yeah, that was a really proud moment for me, um, mm. and I've done a lot more uh, horror stuff since then. Um, I find it quite interesting because the, the the problem solving is different. So, like on Splintered, we had to figure out how we would put a spear through someone, the center of someone, as they were driving, yeah. like, as they were in the back of a car seat, or stabbing someone in the eye. Which way does the blood move? You know, uh, if you're going to drop a dead body on top of of, of, of something you know how's it gonna land you know all of those sorts of th- I know that sounds really really horrible but it actually is quite interesting to work it all out and it's the logistics of doing it and it's all the pre-planning um it's all in the pre-planning I'd say um mm. and you know as the shows have got bigger for me and more complicated I wasn't in a, a position of responsibility on this creatively or or you know as a producer but I was uh it was one that I, I think the first time that I was really, really proud of something that I'd done and felt like we'd been part of it. And it was a lovely crew, so.
0: Uh, grow your own. Um, maybe in recent times, uh, this is something we need to get used to, really. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it was a feature film, um, asylum seekers and allotments, um, themes that were current then and are current now. Um I remember yeah. the, the the struggle. Carl went. Carl Hunter directed that, and well, no, so he didn't direct it; he produced it. But and and Frank mm. uh, went through mm. to try and get that on the screen. It was, you know, it just seemed to go on and on and on, didn't it? And they finally made it like uh, mm. so So mm. um,
1: it did go on and on because they made pilot. It was BBC Films who I've done a lot of films for, um, and Warp. And I don't know if any of you know Warp, but you need to look at their material if you want to look at. You know, it's the most amazing company. Uh, we had you know,
0: Shane, Shane Meadows came in a couple of weeks ago to do something Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, okay,
1: it was great, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, you know, and also with me and my relationship with Sheffield and Barry Ryan, who produced this, uh, you know, he used to look after me in the edit suite at film school, and so I've known him for over 20 years. And, um yeah, I was the production coordinator on this. So, again, I wasn't yet producing. Um, but it was lovely and actually I got an allotment at the end of it and we took all of the props <laughs> and gave them to the allotment and it was just great it was so oh, so brilliant. much fun uh, and it was nice to shoot something I'd been in London a long time and I was traveling back and forth because I, I you know um, I was uh, I was based up in between Liverpool and London and this was the first one that made me be able to come home for a bit and um yeah, we, we employed a lot of local crew. You know, what tends to happen with the big movies when you're based up north is they they bring everybody with them. So as a production coordinator or as PM, they would bring people from London so you wouldn't always be able to get onto them. But with this one, we made it local and it, it worked out really, really well. And we had an amazing cast. And
0: uh, It was. And yeah Fabulous cast. I mean, it's a f- quite fresh face, but, you know, you look through them. Uh, Olivia Coleman was in there. Uh, I'm yeah, I made three yeah. movies <laughs>
1: with Olivia. Yeah, um, Paula, yeah we've got uh, did three three movies with her. I did this one, then I did Tyrannosaur. Actually, I haven't put Tyrannosaur on here either. Uh, that's a good one, isn't it? Uh, so Tyrannosaur yeah. I made with Warp, um, and uh, then I also did one called London Road, which is uh, I don't know if any of you are interested in musicals, but it was a verbatim musical about a murderer, <laughs> so it was like, uh, it's quite, it, it's really interesting piece, and it was actually a theater piece uh, that was on at the National that moved through, so yeah, so Olivia is definitely, uh, I mean, she's an amazing actress, as you all know,
0: yeah. Finding your feet, um, Imelda Staunton, Timothy Spall, Celia Imrie, Joanna Lumley, David Heyman, uh John Sessions uh Josie Lawrence uh great cast um can you tell us a bit more about that
1: uh it was yeah we shot it in two different countries so in the UK and Rome uh so it was my it's one of the co-pros that I've done um and they obviously add on an extra level of complication because your um your financing structure is slightly different and this I was a co-producer I think on this so this just, is me sort of moving into the producing element.
0: Just to chip into that, just quickly, Sarah, because I, I, I'm not sure how the the level of knowledge on this, but co-productions are actually something that's been going on for a long time, I and mean, it's a way of being able to get attract finance to your movie. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So um, well, each each project is is different, and actually, the world of finance is uh, you know it, it's it changes, and the projects change. So. You know, you've got what I would call a micro, which, um, in you know, a sort of packed back to equity world, that, that is anything less than seven hundred and fifty thousand. Then you go into low budget bracket, which uh, that is themed as anything less than three million. But it's actually quite hard to finance stuff at three million. It tends to be at one or one point two, um, and then you then jump into three million. I think. Now, three to ten million is seen as a sort of medium, which you know. I mean, if you think um, you know, fighting with finding your feet was you know about six million. So this is seen as a sort of medium budget. Um, anything that's over thirty million is seen as high end, and that's all for movies. And then TV again is difficult. They uh, different. Sorry, they've all got um, their own bands, and so they yeah. have sort of levels at which you do it for. So you'll have bands for documentaries, you'll have bands for um, terrestrial TV. And then we have now the added complication of of streamers. Um, And that's where I've ended up landing um, because I decided to do the transition from movies uh, into TV because I could see that that's the way that the world was moving. And Mm. um, my agent had suggested that I start to make that transition. Bridgerton was my first tv show uh and
0: uh that's some Jesus. baptism isn't it really <laughs>
1: yeah
0: you know that's yes, it was. that's got, not like a kind of little sitcom or something but boom no <laughs> yeah. no yeah, yeah
1: exactly i know and it was like making four movies at the same time um so uh but we we could talk about that in a bit but yeah it's you know i think the thing that you all have to be aware of is um There are models to making things for movies and TVs, and there are some things that have parameters, but it really is mainly about the material. So this material, we needed to have high-end cast, which we did. We had a fabulous director who turned 70 on the tech and, um, you know, these were all his friends that he had made movies with. And so it was quite easy for us to get them. You know, Timothy Spall, Imelda Staunton, Celia Ingrid, Jennifer, yeah, not Jennifer, Joanna, you know, and all of these lovely people. So um, and then to, to go to Rome for a week was quite expensive, but it was worthwhile. And when if you watch the movie, you'll see that it really works there. So, and we had a lovely time. Uh, going over there, so that always helps. Um, you do a lot of traveling when you work in in this industry, so you go to it. Um, what's,
0: what's not to like about that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. absolutely. Um,
1: and then the next one I think is Tolkien, which I brought to Liverpool. Mm. Um, and if you like movies and you you want to see stuff that is a bit more indie-led, uh, that's a studio, so it still has a good route to market. Then the certain like movies who now have been taken over by disney but were at fox when i made this movie they're always quite um you know they're they're, they're well-rounded and put together and the marketing's uh, is package is usually very good when you make an indie movie um finding your feet was very successful um uh, grow your own wasn't as successful because it didn't have that 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 support of, of a big studio and i think that that does help you you know like Bridgerton's success of, of uh, you know with Netflix is it's down to Netflix doing an amazing job obviously we created a great product but um you know some of the other streamers haven't quite got the access that Netflix have yet and they will have you know like Prime or um but they they will they'll all grow and and people will d- decide what sort of things that they want to watch and then that's why you'll end up doing you know being part of uh, the netflix world or you go more towards apple or um mm. you know whatever you want to pay for you know i've got a new show that's coming out on BritBox, which means you've got to pay for the streaming of brickbox which obviously i do um but it, it, it is just that thing of um the world's changed basically a lot in the last five years and how you access things so um, and going to the cinema as we all know we can't do right now hopefully we'll be able to do soon but it has changed the structure of of releasing a movie in 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 this world that we're in now uh I have eight year old twin girls that love going to the cinema with me but they made me watch Mary Poppins three times and it's a long movie um and um you know this, the, it, watching the movies through lockdown, um, I think it was Mulan that they just got completely obsessed with, you know, and we paid $16.99 for that, which is cheaper than going to the cinema, but you had to pay for it, and there's a new one that's just come out with um, The Dragons, I can't remember what it's called, but, but you know you're, you're paying a slightly higher premium for it, but I think that's fair enough when you're watching it in your home and it is, they have spent millions, literally probably $150 million on making it um so
0: it's gonna be very yeah. interesting when we get to the point where we start going back to the cinemas and seeing how much of this is gonna stick or well, not, as the case yeah. may be.
1: Well, it's uh, I think I think people will want to go as long as they all feel safe. Um, yeah. and I think we all enjoy get well, I definitely do. I remember queuing up for Ghostbusters and I went to watch it about 10 times and I knew that I was obsessed with it. Um <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I think and the Goonies,
0: obviously, that's a yeah, Goonies. yeah, Gremlins Goonies. was
1: around then, wasn't it? that scared me that no, that scared uh... me a bit, that one, yeah. So, uh, but you know, <laughs> I like making horrors, not necessarily watching them.
0: So, Tolkien, um, big subject, huge writer, um, historical piece, uh, it just seems like this was going up. Quite a few notches in terms of ambition and budget.
1: Totally sharp in Liverpool. Apart from, we created Mordor uh, on the M62. I thought
0: you were going to say Kirby or something like that. Though.
1: We tried it. I tried to <laughs> really. To I did. I was joking. I tried to go to Formby, <laughs> and I was like, and, and I was like, good. because they had these. They uh, have- is that your, me and you on reverb? No. Yeah. Um. they had these um. Uh, I guess it, because it's so flat around there, they, 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 they you know, they, anyway, there was nowhere that we could go. So I ended up going more towards Manchester. But it was, uh, it was amazing. It was so cool. We had like loads of horses. You know, it was one of those scripts that you'd read, and, and the, the writer had written, A thousand soldiers come over the top of the hill. <laughs> You're like, hmm, how am I going to get a thousand soldiers? Um, and that's when I learned what a sprite was. Um, So, yeah, so it's, uh, it was, you know, visual effects, special effects, stunts, horses, period, uh, good-sized budget, working for a big Mm. studio, and uh, fantastic producers around me. The churning group, uh, I don't know, the churning entertainment group are huge. They make all the blockbusters. So, you know, the, uh, you know, it was it was stepping into a different world really and mm. um and great cast lily collins of course i don't know if you've mm. seen um uh what is it emily in paris uh that's really good fun and obviously nicholas Holt has just come off the x-men straight onto our show so yes yeah, so I liverpool mean, um had a great time
0: so i mean something that kind of jumps out for me there and you know everyone will uh, lj I me mean, knows about this That you know that you can you can barely barely a day goes by you're walking through the central level obviously not that much at the moment but you know you in the usual scheme of things and there's there's a, a kind of lighting truck there or uh, roads closed off and the kind of telltale signs of somewhere being used for a set and that's great it's lovely to see it but i think for me looking looking at that trailer as well you know filmmakers a multi-million dollar Budget films—they don't come to a city for the good of their health. They don't come there just because there's some kind of romantic link with Liverpool. All that's very lovely, but they come there because it looks good. And mm-hmm. everyone, in, everyone on this call and uh, and the wider scheme of things, you've all got access to the city. You know, it's mm-hmm. what's so wonderful about it. You know, I just—I was going to ask you this later, but it might, I think it's a good place to ask you really now, Sir mm-hmm. about you know how amazing Liverpool is to look at and and why it draws people in again and again and again
1: it's it, the thing about liverpool is it has everything so you can do new york period you can do modern you can from a film and also oh my gosh i mean like literally you can get across one side of the city to the other in 15 minutes in london it would take you 3 or 4 hours to move your unit base so if you decide to shoot in clapham and then you want to be in islington well, your day is pretty much done you know, yeah. So Liverpool logistically works, uh, it's got fantastic locations, the film office are a dream, you know, they just are, um, and, you know, I mean, my, the one thing that you don't see on my IMDb is the commercials, uh, and high-end commercials, and actually, um, you know, some of the music stuff that I did, um, and I think that the commercials really do, they really do make, it, you know, go to town on it. Um and do you remember the hovis advert, John? Oh
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ho- if any
1: of you want to yeah. look at something that just shows Liverpool off, you know that's yeah. all those streets around Toxteth just looks amazing. And for me, you know, it is the city that I was brought up in. Uh, when the Toxteth riots happened in the eighties, Mum moved us over to the Wirral. Um, uh, you know, because we were we literally did just live off Granby Street, and um, I only really came back after university. Um. But just to be able to play in all of those streets and 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 do that, I did try to get a job at line, but they never wanted to employ me because they always thought that I would run off. <laughs> and I tried so hard to get onto Hollyoaks, and they just they never they never gave me the opportunity. Um, so uh, so yeah, so I I brought my own movies and I, and I did it that way.
0: <laughs> why not? And that's yeah, a, that's it? A, that's a, that's another good sign for everyone on this call. You know, you you do, it. Everyone gets told no at some point you know usually they get told more no more than yes don't they
1: i have a motto which is reject rejection you have to be a willow tree to work in this industry you especially in covid you know you do not know what's going to be thrown at you and people work in really different ways and it's about you know you know making sure that people are in their comfort zone and that they're giving you the best um, and you've got to be kind, that's one thing, and you know, more and more so now, especially, you know, w- with the with the Me Too and even with the stuff that's been coming out over the last sort of 48 hours about aggressive producers. It, it just you don't need you don't need to work in that environment. And I think people who are creative uh work better when they're being supported. Um and I have always felt when I've been doing the projects in Liverpool that it has been uh it's less stressful because you're not traveling around all over the place and um, and people welcome you, you know, the city mm-hmm. welcomes you. So, uh, but yeah, it does have lovely locations as well.
0: Just going to bring in Alison down here, who's uh, a lecturer and uh, LJMU creative writing and uh, a Liverpool writer. Uh, Alison, I know you've got a question for Sarada yourself.
1: No, it's about, because obviously I can recognise we've, we've got some screenwriters within um, within this group as as well as um, filmmakers and film students as well. So I'd just like to ask you, when you are working with a new writer, what do you look for? So what are the things that, are, are, other than the, it goes without saying, that an amazing script. Yeah, yeah. So you've got your amazing script, but this is a writer who is new to you. What do you look yeah. for as a producer? So the, the, the projects are all slightly different. So the, w- when you have, you sometimes you'll bring in a writer to fix a script, um, which has happened quite a lot. Uh, and, you know, or, because it always, the script has to be right. Otherwise, it, you will have problems later on. Like you'll cut it together and you may not see that the problems are there until you get in the edit. So the script yeah. has to be right. And um, What I would say, it, a movie is different from... Um, from uh, doing a a series, a TV series. So if you look at a movie, it usually is one writer that goes through, um, all the way through And sometimes you have writer directors and that can be difficult because you have to, at some point say, take your writer hat off, put your director hat on because now we've got to make it. You know, it's not dreams and language on a page. It's actually the logistics of trying to make it. Um, I've had writers that have been, with us on the floor you know so when we've been shooting and the director heavily relies on them to um to help them make the language work and help them you know get the actors to work and you know all of those sort of things um i've also had writers that have really annoyed the director and they have been gently asked to move away <laughs> you know there's all of that um the most exciting thing I think for the writers' um, side, if you can get involved in a writers' room, I think that's the really exciting thing. Especially if you're learning and you're growing and you're you know you're learning new skills, um, and there are different ways of doing that. But you know, the writers' room, like Shonda rhymes and and the way that you know Shonda works, is is the most phenomenal. And those are writer driven shows that, you know, although Shonda and and Betsy are are producers, you know, myself producers and Chris is a producer, it is writer driven. And so it it does come from the script. Um, There are shows that I do where the, you know, the writers and the producers don't want the director to make any changes. So dialogue, sometimes there was a couple of Granada shows that I did, um, where you would be sort of sat waiting for somebody in London to let you know, if you could change the dialogue, which was frustrating for directors and actors, you know, because if something's changed, or it doesn't feel right. You know, you want to be able to have the freedom to do things, but you're not always actually given that. So that that's an interesting process. Um, but for me, I want a writer that's just puts their wish list down. You know, creative, flexible. Can come up with uh, you know creative solutions for problem solving, and it mm. usually that comes into play when you're talking about budget concerns or mm. you know how to tell a story. Oh. In the, I mean, Frank is just amazing at doing it. You know, triple word score. If any of you've seen it You know, it's just—it's just lovely. Actually, it's not called that anymore, is it? Sometimes
0: <laughs> I do that all the time. About my old projects that have changed name, it's funny. Oh. I do exactly the same. I've got that tick as well. I keep—I keep calling it by its original name. Sometimes, always, never, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes, always, yeah. never. Yeah, exactly. yeah.
1: Um, And um, you know, I think just yeah, I think it's just got you know, stories have just got to have a heart, really, and they've really got to know what they are. I think that's the first thing, you know and then you start to put the layers in you know
0: but one point to add on to that and this is something I keep saying again and again to writers because I I, I do understand it is that in order to kind of get some traction and and really get your career moving in any kind of way for a writer I I believe you have to get your hands dirty you don't necessarily have to be a hands-on producer or be able to do something else really well but You need to get involved and be active in getting your stuff up on screen and that applies to a a tiny little short film as much as it does to a um a bigger project what's your view on that rather
1: yeah i think you've got to be determined you've got to choose your path as well and you will probably have to do that fairly early on i do speed dating not like in a weird like hr (laughs) way but i tend to get people in and then i figure out what i feel that they're going to be good at and i put them in different scenarios within the process and they either sink or swim and uh if they sink i pick them up and put them in something else you know i think you've got to just be determined and focused about what you want to do and also there's so many different formats to this like if you get into commercials then you've got to have a really good attention to detail and patience you know i once spent 12 hours filming a sandwich I won't tell you which company it was for, but like that was that was right. that was a soul searching moment. Like, do I want to <laughs> look at another ham sandwich for twelve hours tomorrow? Okay, yeah, I'll do it. You know, I'm being paid all right. Let's 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 do it. Yeah, that that wasn't for me, and I I knew that I had to move on. You know, so
0: I, I hope it was getting union rates. That's all I'm saying
1: yeah 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 exactly but that's the other thing is that everything every single time you do something it is slightly different every single job is different uh you know there's not anything um you know specific that you can say because what we're doing is an organic process and it's all about storytelling so um so yeah
0: a couple of questions have come through oh, in fact, three questions have come through which is great um uh, One from Sarah, uh, can you explain a little bit more about the role of producer, uh, your job over the course of a project, the career steps you took to become a producer, and as you mentioned before, having an agent, how does that work for producers, but uh, that, they're huge questions, I know they're huge questions. Um,
1: I would say that I am uh, a logistical producer here to support the creative, you have to understand the creative in order to be able to produce, I hope that makes sense, does it make sense? Yeah. Um, You know, you've got to understand the storytelling. You've got to understand uh, uh, how to dissect something. And I'm really good at forensically pulling a script pieces and then working out how to make it. That's what my skills are. Um, Another producer, I would say, is really good at storytelling and making sure that, you know, the language is hitting, um, you know, the current show i'm doing is in four different languages so that has another element on and i don't speak all of those languages so you know you have to have other producers coming in to talk about the finessing of the language then you've got more exec producing types which can be creative or financial so you have some lawyers that are producers you know and they've gone in via that route you have like shonda
0: that's shonda rhimes writer and showrunner of bridgerton
1: She's also the executive, executive producer. Um, and so there are different producers depending upon the project, is what I would say. So I've done line producing, then co producing. And I think co producing is more about the optics, whereas the line producing is the budgetary, budgetary and logistics and, and the sort of shooting schedule side of it. And then from co producing, I've then moved into producing, and now I'm series producing and exec producing. So those are the things, um, that the, those are the sort of titles. And actually, people get really stuck on titles. I would advise you not to. Um, a title, I've even had an associate producer title. It it depends, it, it means different things for different projects, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Like on a streamer, an executive producer, it's a really big deal, but actually on a $200 million, I mean, it's all a big deal, but on a $200 million, a motion picture feature film, an executive producer is somebody that manages the budget and the logistics, which is quite a big thing on a budget of that size, you know, if you're shooting mm. on, on something that's traveling, let's like, say it's mission and it's going all over the world, then that, that, you know, they just have, they have, they have a role of responsibility. So that that's what I would say about the producing side of it. Uh, agents, yes. Uh, agents are amazing, you need to, I mean, some of them are annoying, but mine is amazing. Um, and they're really there to help you um, strategize. and, you know, I don't ever need help getting a job. I mean, you know, especially with the film industry being so busy at the moment, it's not, its they're, they're not really, they're not really there for that for me um they're there to help me make sure that I'm making the right decisions yeah and managing your I'll career be... yeah
0: yeah helping me. Yeah,
1: yeah. which is you
0: know I, I can imagine especially if you're going from one project to another in quick succession having that person who can advise you and see it from all different angles legal angles from you know whether it's a good idea to to commit yourself to something that's going to take you months if not years it is is yeah. something that you need
1: yeah, it is. Yeah. And especially after Bridgerton, because there is a lot of job offers, Um, you know, it was number one in 160 countries and it literally happened within three days. So it was, it was quite big. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Official Secrets, um, which is a 2019 British drama based on the case of uh, whistleblower, Catherine Gunn, uh, played by Kira Knightley in, in the film. Uh, This actually led me to you, Sarada, or back to you, I should say, because we we go way back. Um, uh, Before Bridgerton came on air, um, I remember seeing this uh, as part of a film club with my wife, and then um, your name popped up with the credits at the end. Uh, So, uh, great, really interesting sort of investigation into um, what was probably quite a shameful period, in uh, British political history um, so yeah
1: um, it's quite good for you to see the narrative of, of if you if you guys haven't watched it and um, it's high-end cast amazing cast actually just phenomenal it was a very difficult project to put together in terms of uh, it just it, it it ended up going through quite a few different models um, and studios uh, before it finally got there. But the thing that I think is really amazing in this, the director did a great job of uh, using archive as a narrative to explain the story. And it was periods, and obviously you know, um, a, a story that hadn't really been out. And you know, you know she and it's a true story. And and you know she she you know she. She nearly stopped us from going to war, you know, so it's one that really did need to be told, and, and it was very important. So, yeah, so this one we shot again in Liverpool. Um, I try to bring as much as I can. <laughs> um, and we shot in Leeds uh, because I think we got some money, actually, from the Yorkshire uh, Commission. Um, but we yeah, we, stayed, we stayed up north with it and we were initially going to shoot it in london but it was it was great again to have it um uh, it was a bit of a road journey um and the court scenes are all in liverpool um so that was that was great um and, and it's based that, on
0: a true story isn't it it's based on a yeah. true story yeah, it's yeah.
1: A true story. and she um yeah she she did uh she managed to, they, you know, it, it, it's not all of the events that happened, but she, she, yeah, she did, she did, um, you know, she was put away for a bit and it was, yeah, it was pretty horrendous. And then it was the anniversary when we were actually um, filming of, of us invading Iraq. So it, um, you know, it was all over the press when we were shooting. Mm-hmm. Obviously dealing with uh, that sort of caliber of cast, you know, you've got Keira, you've got Ray Fiennes. It's just huge, you know. So you're your the CP um close protection that you have to have in there. Um, you know, all of a sudden you can be shooting. In fact, the, the, the most oddest one is actually on Mrs. Brown's voice. We were shooting in Ireland and it went out on the radio, and all of a sudden I had three thousand people all stood around whilst he was in a giant duck outfit jumping into the river. <laughs> I was like, oh my god how do we stop this? <laughs> like everyone can see what we're filming and he just loved it so it was like you know but a bit different on this because we were trying to keep it a bit more low-key um the best thing about this is if you watch the iraq scene which that explosion is we shot that in the warrington glass factory <laughs> um so you right. know you, you can create worlds anywhere <laughs>
0: absolutely absolutely and that um i mean that. It was about a huge issue, and it was about uh, you know the central character, the nightly Knightley character, uh, was a worker in G- GCHQ, kind of yeah, pictures a exactly. sort of like low level who who had to break the official secret act because she just saw something so hor- horrendous. I won't throw too many spoilers in in there for you guys, but do do check it out. Just to just to ask you about that, you know, bringing a project a story like that to the to the screen. How difficult was that was it, given that it's it's such a it's still a very emotive topic now.
1: Yeah, well we we had Catherine Gunn, who it's is based on, uh, and her husband, we had their support and consultation. So, um, you know and the material was very well cared for and looked after by the director and the other producers on it. So, you know, it's and then you know everybody wanted to bring their part to it but actually they didn't really want to change the story you know so um so yeah it was it was hard because of the nature of of getting it out and i think that was part of the problem hmm. of why it took so long to get it out but we did get it out and it did really yeah. well and actually it's one of the ones that people contact me in fact you contacted me and said i've just seen this movie yeah, you yeah. Know? and it's great that's well,
0: what amazing. kicked off this conversation about all you know bringing it in because you know and i I do. I, it, it actually, Drew, is uh, actually a question I really wanted to ask you about this, and I don't want to drag things too much, but, you know, we put an awful lot of stock in research. Um, you know, we have modules, that are assignments that are connected with research, and that's how important it is for a writer to get the research right, you know, to really leave no stone unturned. Don't just Google it, you know, and hope hope for the best. Don't just make it up, but actually go out and find it. And this is a perfect example of something that has been really well researched and, and and then transposed onto the screen what what are your thoughts on research rather
1: it's really it's just totally essential i mean I think the thing is i mean even like you know all of these ones have got research involved, but if you look at something that's period like bridgerton you know we had um Hannah Grieg was our um uh, etiquette advisor, and you know we had um uh you know, you, you always try and go to the base of what the story would be and make sure it's real and then you pull it back. And it's about the volumes of what you want it to be and what that storytelling, because we, we are making drama unless it's docu, and that's different. But, um, you know, I think ultimately it has to come from a purist place and then you work out what's real and what's not real and how mm. you want to tell that story. Um,
0: mm. That's a uh, delicate balance, isn't it? <laughs> really, yeah, it is. to get all you know, that right.
1: Yeah, and like even with Tolkien, you know, uh we had to create our own language because, you know, we didn't want to upset people with it. And it was a biopic, but it obviously had all of the things in it. I did think originally when I was asked about it, am I gonna be hanging out with goblins and, and, and wizards and and that actually when I'm reading, that's my um that's the place I go to if I'm gonna read something is um I, I have, a you know, my secret pleasure is high fantasy novels and it always has been since I, I was, Tolkien was one of the first books that I didn't quite know how to say things phonetically so I've still got the book. Uh It was The Hobbit and I've written down, you know, how, how to how to say it in the back of the book Uh because I couldn't quite get my head around how to say it. So, so it was quite a dream come true in Tolkien and I think from that point you sort of you know you have there is an element of being able to um play with the stories but you've got to start i think from the base of truth
0: michael has asked uh michael so do you have any advice for budgeting for student films in terms of camera equipment actors etc
1: um for the student films i think uh, it's a shame isn't it because do you remember uh, northwest vision used to do this um Mm. uh, virgin shorts and and you know you get Mm. a thousand pounds and then you graduate onto a five thousand and then a ten and a twenty i don't know mm. that those originally really no, there's
0: creative england which has got one but it's 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 kind of everywhere outside of london and you know by all means everyone look it up check it out try and get on it but it's it's uh it's very highly subscribed i know that
1: it is i mean i think when you're when i was talking before about the difference Brackets of films. I think that that's the one thing we didn't really talk about is the short element and trying to put those together. I mean, I just had to beg, borrow, and steal, basically. Mm. You know, not so much the stealing, but I did definitely make a lot. There was a lot of getting up at five in the morning and making bacon butties for my mates. And, um, and 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 you know and borrowing vehicles and and actually you know if you if you get into the industry and and it might not necessarily be the department that you're getting into but you're understanding the rhythm of how things work you're understanding it's very unsociable hours um, that people are really committed to it and and when you have a project it is like being with a family for that project um, and and you make friends quickly in doing that which you'll all be doing at university and if you get some like-minded people then you just go off I mean it's so much easier now you know I had to when I say steal I literally used to the film I used to phone up all the companies and say can I please have your your end uh roles you know and put it all together so that I could and then try the short and ends put it through the bath the needs mm. you know there wasn't that's the, right was, yeah
0: <laughs> now you're bringing it back and,
1: yeah, like literally. I mean, one of the guys yesterday in the office, he got a, he showed me a gimbal, and I'm like, oh my god, that's like a mini Steadicam. You know, uh-huh. it's like the things that you've got now are just—it's so much easier to be able to just capture narrative and tell a story, uh, and also just playing with actors and and you know talking things through with them. But, you know, the one thing that you have to understand is you've got to focus on what it is that you want to do or be. Uh, And you might not get there initially, but if you look at what what you like watching, so if you like to watch, I don't know, Cheshire Housewives, (laughs) then you know there might not be anybody on here that does not want to watch that. Oh, believe me, that's
0: a massive hit among students. That one.
1: (laughs) If I do, you know, it could probably could be. Or if you want to make movies, if you like the Co Brothers, if you like the Marvel movies, then literally sit down, write down the names of those people, and investigate what do they do. Not. Like stalk them, by the way, um, but just you know, just generally get to know and understand what how they've made that material. The EPKs are so you know they're really telling. You can get your head into all, all of that, and if you don't understand something, then you can always go back to something like uh, the Gorilla Books. You, you know, I don't know if, if that gets circulated. And the knowledge, I assume everybody knows what the knowledge is. So the knowledge is uh, it's a directory. Uh, that you can find online and let's say you're looking for a casting director then it lists every single casting director in the UK if you're looking for a standby art director if you decide you want to go in and be a props hand you know if you understand what those roles are then you can you can contact them you can send them an email and say hello this is me you know would, would I be able to get a placement with you, you know, that those are the sort of things but you need to investigate. What they're doing you don't you know if you want to be a prop hand and you want to go and work on a marvel movie then find out who those people are you can see them all in the credits you can find you know the investigation process and being a detective is much easier now you know rather than you know licking a stamp and sending off a letter which is what i used to have to do
0: you can look people up very easily Yeah.
1: yeah so the knowledge K's, K's directory, K A Y S Directory. Um, the the knowledge I've always thought was really interesting. You used to have to pay for it. And it's basically the Bible, it's the encyclopedia of the British industry. You know, but I think it is about looking at the product that people are making and whether or not you like it, you know, and that that's the starting point is acknowledging what it is that you want to do, you know.
0: I- And it's funny because many, many people who are sitting there might be thinking, I'm a writer, this doesn't apply to me. Or I'm, or when we talk about writing, I'm a filmmaker. This doesn't apply to me, but it all applies to you. doesn't, it? (laughs) that's the thing, you know, if you want to get into this industry in one level or another, you need to understand these things.
1: Well, so if you think about it, the, the, the actual process of creating a product, whether or not it's a music video, a commercial, a TV series, or a movie, you are starting in with the idea and the development. And that can be script-based or it can be uh, storyboards like these.
0: For those of you who are listening, is uh, just showing some storyboards behind it in the production office.
1: You can see these are our storyboards from the uh, show. Uh, there's a lot of them. Um, and, you know, there's tools, basically. And you start in development, where you start to put people together, and then you go into pre-prep. And then from pre-prep, you go into shoot and then from shoot you go into post and then you go to your roots market so those are the elements and they're all various shapes and sizes so on a commercial you could be you know put you go in and you pitch and it could be such and sachi and it can be i don't know let's say it's um a, a new tesla uh commercial and you 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 pitch up and you'll do storyboards like that and you'll make them really glitzy and lovely and then whoever pitches the best will get the commission and then they do they sit with the clients and they go through it then you shoot it then you edit it and then they put it out on the tv or, or online you know mm. so that process is always there and you need to be aware of each part of the process which is why i like being across it from the beginning and going through um but that's why i like producing and some people like to be on the technical side of it. So, like, camera people uh, are more into, you know, just the buzz of being on the floor and getting things shot. And then it gets handed over to an editor because they like the craft of putting the lights up and finding the best way to light like the actors or a car like Tesla or a ham sandwich, you know, whatever that is. Um,
0: I think I think something that occurs to me, I'll, obviously we'll move on a bit faster in a minute, but something that occurs to me about making short films and that whole world of anything up to micro budget fee you, you tend to become chief cooking bottle washer. You know, it's like I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna make the sandwiches, I'm gonna direct the thing, I'm gonna and at some point something's gotta give when you when you're taking that approach and you've got to be willing to kind of work with other people. Yeah? Yeah. Is that yeah. is that does that sound kind of right <laughs> yeah. to you?
1: Well yeah no 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 you I mean half the time I I mean I find more as my jobs have gone slightly higher up on levels is I'm usually the person sat in the room, going right. You're saying this, and you're saying this, and I'm going to explain what you're both saying because you might not be listening to each other properly. And that communication, that basic communication, which you'll all be doing um, at university, or you know, you can doing your GCSEs and putting stuff together, you know, it, it, it's that just comes from yeah, basically human commu- communication and doing it on a different intellectual level. And I think each part of that process you'll end up sort of leaning yourself in towards it, I think. Um, and actually, this point in the industry, it's the most busiest. So I don't know what years you were all in, but, you know, you really mixed shouldn't. Bag. It's, it's mixed bag. I mean, bag, you, yeah. you shouldn't have issues getting into doing this if you think, uh, if you if you. If you mind map it a bit, you know, you can always go in on the skill set scheme after the degree. I mean, the one thing I would say is that even after me finishing at film school, I thought I would walk in as a producer. No, 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 You know, I've been, I, I left film school uh, at 21, 22. And yes, I did get a, a movie straight away. But it was it was a good 10 years of working pretty solidly. Before you start to start to of really move up the ladder, I think things happen quick enough, people. Um, but yeah, uh, and it's as quick as you want it to be as well. And maybe I was a little bit more, you know, I I, I enjoyed my life a little bit, and I did take a couple of years out, going travelling and doing other stuff. Um, and I hung out on that allotment for a year after doing grow your own, because um, uh, you know you also this industry is very busy. Uh, and you sort of have to throw your whole self into it. So it's also knowing about when to take a little bit of time out, because it mm. is a sort. Once it gets into your blood, you're sort of uh, addicted.
0: It's <laughs> that adrenaline kick in it. It's just boom, you're on it, and it's uh, it's a big project. So we move on to Hope Gap, Sarada. and this um, uh, was um, written and directed by William Nicholson from his play. Uh the retreat from moscow uh, starring and they're burning bill na uh and it premiered at toronto in twenty nineteen just before september twenty nineteen just before it all changed um and then was released during the pandemic so august twenty twenty uh so yeah
1: yeah i mean absolutely just a dream i loved making that movie uh it was just absolutely phenomenal. Those casts were brilliant. And uh, David Thompson was produced, he owns Origin. And I love working with that man. He's amazing. I don't know if any of you know his work, but you should have a look at it. It's uh, he's fantastic films. Um, and it was, I think it, it re-energized me doing that movie. Um, and I decided to take a little bit of time out after doing it because I thought, um, i'd made about seven movies back to back and i've been on the road a lot and i've got young children which again is a whole other thing for everybody to think about you know you can have kids and you know a home life in the middle of it all and i took seven months off and i started doing um, more consultation work which is then when i moved into starting to do tv stuff um but that was just lovely uh and yeah bill is something else so I hope I get to make more movies like that because uh you've got to you know I think sometimes when you do the bigger ones you can get in in in, you can get lost a little bit in it I was definitely felt like I was in a fog when I walked out of Bridgeton, but I didn't when I walked out of this one because I had full clarity about what we'd done we'd shot that in Leeds and, and Seaford uh on the coast so yeah it was, it was a
0: Nice locations. I'll ask, it's probably a good moment actually to ask Amy's question. And Amy's asked: um, Are there any major differences between producing film to producing TV? Uh, are the skills adaptable? You know, can you cross fertilize the films
1: They're are the same, um, but I would say that the people, the crews, um, which well, is changing a bit more now because more film people are moving into TV. Um, but I would say that they can have a different feel to it. So if you're doing something like that, you know, a serial, um, then, you know, you tend to employ the same people over and over again. So that, that has a different feeling, uh, Bridgerton, we weren't sure how successful it was going to be. Um, so, you know, I knew it was going to be, but, uh, you know, they weren't quite sure, which of course is why there's a slight delay on, on doing season two because, you know, uh, well, also COVID more than anything else, but, um, uh and it will go on and then there's 13 14 books um i i think to be honest the skills are transferable across all of these elements but if you work in commercials uh it is much more about pack shots and and and, and client base because you're nurturing clients whereas on movies um, the, the 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 money stakes and the finance structures are i would say a bit more complicated because it's, it is very organic and depends upon the material and who's involved, um, unless you're with a big studio. And again, that can still be complicated with politics. Um, if you're working with a streamer, then um, you're basically doing the same thing. It's, you know, the budgets are huge.
0: So Ben, Benjamin's asked, as a producer, are you on the lookout for an up-and-coming writer? Uh, for example, would you pass a script on to the right people to be made if it was sent to you? Um I I am always interested to hear this from a producer. What 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 happens?
1: Uh, well people have different processes. Um what tends to happen is so let's say you sent it into somebody like DNA. Um again, you've got to figure out what you want to make to figure out where it's gonna go. There's no point in sending it to someone you know that makes horror films or sci-fi if you're going to do something like a Hope Gap. You know, you've got to research who you're going to send it to. Don't just send it to anybody because it will just get lost and then you'll feel faint hearted. There's just no, you know, you've got to, you've really got to target people properly. Um, I probably get 20 scripts a week and they are, I would say 18 or 19 of them. It can be, you know, not really come from anywhere. A lot of them are from LA. Since Bridgerton, I have had uh, a lot more than that, and I get a lot of um, actors contacting me. Yeah. So. And out of those,
0: people. out of those scripts, are they are they kind of unsolicited from uh, uh, Josephine <laughs> blogs from somewhere, or is it coming from an agent or someone like that? And you know from. But uh,
1: well, the, the key thing really, if you want to get. Um, your voice out there is to make shorts I think at that point and um, get into a writer's room and to try and get an agent or get onto the writing schemes that are done and then you sort of you find people or you go in this script editor and you try and work your way through that yeah well it it, it sort of depends again you know like on a a tv show a script editor for us is someone that helps us put uh, make sure that the narrative is there, like at the moment, you know, on the show that we're doing it's multi-language. So the, the language needs finessing. What what you say in French might be very different from how you would say it in English. And, um, you know, you've got to make sure that it's fine-tuned for the characters that you're building uh, and, and that, you know, things are sort of um, succinctly working together. So the script editor will help with that process. They also help with the logistics, which is why you can't just purely be creative. You need to be able to get it out there to people and make sure that they understand what's been done. And even simple things like dating your scripts, putting the version numbers of your scripts on, you know how you format your scripts, uh handing a script over to me a, a, in final draft if it doesn't have all the element checks in it, that drives me potty. So you know just that basic stuff like the formatting of it, to make sure that that's all. Because I think that's the thing. Like sometimes people will write a script and they can do it on words. I've even had one on Excel. And it's like, if you don't put it into an industry looking standard, they're not even going to read it.
0: Uh, uh, thank you so much for saying that, Sarada. It's 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 warmed my little heart that as you saying that, because uh, uh, how many times, I'm not saying anyone here does it. I'm sure you, you've, I know some people have heard me go on about it and I am the, the world's biggest bore when it comes to, uh, uh, people using not using Microsoft Word for writing scripts um, and like why what, what's your problem Maxwell, what's your problem.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you got a use final draft or script lab programs, then you know, it's just about making like, you know, when I get plays, if I get a play, um, which I do, um, and actually some of my movies have either come from plays, or we go into a play. Um, like Finding Your Feet is now um, a play. Um, it's uh, it's a different format from a
0: movie or a TV show. Fighting With My Family, um, biographical sports comedy drama written and directed by Stephen Merchant. Um, based on the documentary, uh, The Wrestlers Fighting With My Family by Max, Max Fisher um, about the career of English professional wrestler, wrestler Paige as he makes her way up to WWE. Um, also following her brother, Zach Zodiac, great wrestling name. Uh, as he struggles with his failure to achieve similar success. And you've got uh, Lena Headey, Nick Frost, Vince Vaughn, and The Rock, D- Dwayne Johnson, um, also acting as a producer in the film. Uh, that looks like lots of fun, so right. <laughs>
1: So that's the other movie that basically I. It's usually when people have got off long haul and they'll literally phone me and go, Oh my god, I've just watched that movie that you did with Dwayne. That was amazing. And uh, all obsessed WWE fans like it's just yeah, it is. Uh, it was so much fun. That project was. Fun. I mean, I literally got to the end of it and went, Oh my god, I've just been paid to do that movie. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> it looks so, yeah. it. The film looks fun. So the project was that fun as well
1: who uh who like used to he discovered Dwayne and did the Scorpion Man thing with him is the first thing he did. And he's like so like Hollywood, uh LA exec, you know, like, come on girl, you just know we're doing the right thing. You know, he's just like always cheering you up. And then being in that and and obviously we shot it in and Vince Vaughn. Yeah, it was great fun. Really, really good fun. And it was huge. It did really well. Um so yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fab. yeah yeah. Gone. Yeah. And you know, that's the other thing. So and Florence Pugh, yeah. of course. She'd just done Macbeth. She she'd only literally just done that. Um and now she she's gone on to a much bigger thing She she's great. So yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely cast. All of them are wonderful. And Stephen Merchant is a director. I mean you can't get anywhere from in, in the UK without you know to have meetings because she's so tall and uh lovely and you know you'd be walking around london and you know he's so graceful and giving we were filming in an alleyway in um quite a tough estate in, in, uh, in london. and you know they were coming around the back and 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 they're saying to him, oh my god you know can I, have, can I have a selfie with you and he's like in the middle of filming and and yeah of course you can <laughs> just really giving and nice yeah
0: it's a way to go isn't it ways to go yeah. Uh okay, I'm just scrolling through, so I'm just having a look at the other questions. Uh, the next one was, in Tory, I think we're probably we're, we're stepping back a little bit here, but or uh, stepping forward. Was Catherine Gunn involved as a consultant and her lawyers heavily used? So that's I'm going out of context there, but yeah. you'll know what you'll know what yeah. you means. So,
1: uh, She was really heavily part of it. Yeah, we we I mean she she visited set and everything. Yeah, she was she was great. Yeah. And she was part of the the process when we, you know, we went when we went out, route to market. You know, it was her story, so she had to own it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's again, it's it's having an interest in it. I know, you know, George R. R. Martin. I don't know how much he has to do with what goes on with Game of Thrones, but mo- with most kind of that that thing about authorship and taking it out there, you, it's getting your hands dirty and being part of it and really caring. You know. Yeah.
1: Well, it's your material, no. and that was her life, so you know, we had to make sure we mm. portrayed it properly.
0: Yeah, um, Hannah, you said your
1: husband worked on, on as an editor. Which film was it? Um, The Fighting Families and the Tolkien one. Uh,
0: Is it Chris?
1: Yeah. Right. editorial team, was it Chris? Yeah, that's Small my oh,
0: Wells. <laughs> uh,
1: Chris, so Chris, um, basically that was one of the, the he said to me so you know he was so excited and of course i was excited because he was from liverpool and i and he said to me um, in fact chris Gill and i spoke about him a couple of days ago i just loved that man uh, and he said to me i'm obsessed with wwe i'm obsessed yeah and we um, and he put the sizzle together together and we had a certain amount of money to make it and it went over to berlin and he put this sizzle together And he basically got more money for the project (laughs) based on his sizzle, and you know he was just oh he was such an inspiration. Um, And so when I came up to do Tolkien, uh, actually maybe I did I must have done Tolkien. I can't remember which order I did them but yeah he um, he he did that one as well. Yeah, lovely. Oh, I'm sorry, Hannah. Oh, it's all right. Smaller.
0: I've got it. Yeah, I've got to say degrees of separation. In, the, in this game the, you'll be surprised how how few uh, how easy it is to kind of get to access someone you know just through yeah. word of mouth it's amazing absolutely amazing i, 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 I never uh, it
1: is a small industry yeah
0: really especially if you can start go, and i encourage everyone to do this to you know go to festivals you know don't go don't go too crazy by the way because there's a lot of Free booze and stuff like that. A lot of these places. But you know, keep your head screwed on. But I, I, I think I do advise people to go to festivals. How, how are you on that one, Sarah? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe the camp festivals might drink a bit too much rose. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what? My favourite one is Rotterdam. I love okay. Rotterdam. Uh, just mm. think it's great. Depends what sort of movies you like to watch, but um, for me, that's just a knockout uh, one. And Berlin, yeah.
0: Oh, the best in the world. Love
1: Berlin. Have we been to Berlin together? We have,
0: yeah. We did the Berlin thing.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So that was it. Yeah, I did end up in the cabaret club that night. Anyway, whatever. We won't tell those stories. But
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: you don't necessarily, you will meet people. And actually, you make a lot of friends there and you make a lot of contacts there. Um, but, yeah, you're right. You need to also make sure you don't behave ridiculously and say silly things. Or you can yeah. say,
0: but just, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take your short film over there. It's amazing. If you, if you organize it in advance, Um, you know, if you just have a little bit of a plan, it can really benefit, like, you know, but just make sure you have a little bit of a plan and do your research behind these places, but they're worth going. If you, if you do that and you can do it on a budget, a couple hundred quid, you know, cheap flight and whatever, when that happens, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> well, you get you know,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, uh I think that's I think if we come to the oh yeah, sorry, Emily. Um uh, just scrolling back to how involved are you in the casting process, choosing actors?
1: Uh I depends what it is. So now I well on this one, on the one that I'm doing right now, I yeah, I'm choosing the actors, yeah. And I do all the deals, yeah. Well, with my lovely, gorgeous Kelly Valentine Henry, who's my casting director. Great. Um, and, and fabulous producers, I've got two other producers on the show. Uh, so yeah so, I mean look, it's always collaborative. You always have to ask the people that are paying <laughs> because if if they're big actors, then you get more money or you know they'll say no, they're not market worthy or whatever. you know so there's a whole dance that has to happen around the acting um, but uh, yeah, you know and, and sometimes you get given actors, actually. yep you know bye.
0: Who would give you actors?
1: The studio. They can say TV. they want, yeah. want you to use this person, and you're like, mm, they're not quite right, and you're like, okay, but we're going to give you the money to do it, so you got to do it.
0: <laughs> the beast must die. Shot during lockdown. Um, what a thing! Um, tell us more about this. This is a this is a uh, a Britbox, um streamer.
1: Yeah, I'm really proud. It's the first thing that I've shot in lockdown, uh, after lockdown. Uh, first one in COVID, you wouldn't notice. Uh, we, we we had to put quite a lot of place, in place, um, making sure people were safe. Uh, we shot it on the Isle of Wight and the Isle of Wight were wonderful, great locations. We did have to double up for London, which as you can all imagine is fairly hard. Uh, we did a day of plate shots in London, but other than that everything was shot either in Portsmouth or on the Isle of Wight. And uh, fabulous cast, great director. It was with Dome Karovsky who I did uh, talking with. And um yeah, it was it was it was extraordinary trying to put a show together with the COVID protocols. It's um Scott Free and New Agency who were super supportive and allowed us to be flexible. And um, yeah, it was great to do something that was present day after spending 18 months in in 1800s, if I'm honest. Mm. Um, It it, it brings a different type of um, feeling to it. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I hope you all enjoy it. It's a five parter. Uh, It's an adaptation from a novel. Again, that's the other thing about script writing is whether or not you're coming from original material. Uh it was written um, you know, mid nineteen hundreds and so it was updated for present day. Wow. Uh it's about um uh uh a rather troubled um detective called Strange Race and um the stories of him. So uh yeah, maybe the first of many, we'll see.
0: So. <laughs> Great um, stuff. Yeah, and Brit, Britbox, Britbox has really kind of laid down a marker with that by the looks of it as well, you know, because they, they, they started as a kind of hodgepodge of the, yeah. the network channels in the UK, sort of putting their archives together and, and, and spitting out, and now they're, they're going for original material, so it looks like they want to make a name for themselves.
1: New Regency are just the most amazing company to work with. And Scott Free as well, everyone knows who Scott Free, or the New Regency side of it, you may sort of more see them really in the movies. And so uh, this is a different sort of venture for them doing TV. And it's my second TV show. Um, and and then uh, and now this one that I'm doing now is my third TV show. Um, and they're, they're all very different, all really different, and different budget levels as well. Um, which, you know, um it can sort of slightly change the way that you do things, um, but ultimately it's it is about storytelling. And that one is uh, you know, well it's about it's about a crime and then it's yeah. about revenge with just brilliant cast and brilliant storytelling and amazing writer as well, Gabby. So who's from Leeds?
0: Northern Northern. Uh, ju- I mean, just a kind of question, and this probably applies to Bridgeton as well, or indeed any, you know, because so many students, it's weird, the culture's changed since I've been teaching screenwriting. Originally, it was like feature film, that's the God, that's what you want to go for, that's that's the ultimate, that's the panacea. Now, it's the other way around, it's kind of getting to the point where many writers want to kind of get on these tempo sort of series, and because you know, Netflix is so prominent, particularly in COVID, it, it's become this even bigger than it was before. So what happens uh, in your experience, Sarata, with um, what happens with the projects? You know, where does it start? How is it pitched in that arena? You know, um, who gets hold of it?
1: Yeah, so, um, well, what I would say is, again, if you've got scripts and it's about finding good production companies, so like in the UK, if you look at somebody, you know, like the producers of The Crown or, uh, you know uh, riviera uh, archery pictures you know it's, again it's about finding what the product is that you want, and then those producers will um, will have a, a you know a bank of sort of prices and collective um, uh, you know, collaborative relationships with writers and directors and i mean that's the thing is it's about building up those relationships over the years uh, and then you know you can like i've got friends um, that I've wanted to do projects with and it hasn't worked uh, at that particular time but then it's, it then comes around with a different project so it's about timing um, in terms of getting things commissioned quickly it's about knowing the commissioners and it's about working with solid producers uh, that know what they're doing it's <laughs> producers, directors and you know and a whole load of really amazing people <laughs> Covid, is I'm just so you know proud you know of what we've been able to achieve and to keep going, and although we aren't essential workers, we we have sort of slightly been allowed to continue going because we're a huge part of the economy, um, mm. and that's because we're very good in, in the UK at producing and delivering high quality um, material, and I, it's just not going to slow down for us, you know, it's, yeah. it's not
0: which is good news for everyone here because it means there's to go
1: to yeah they're all getting into it at the right time absolutely
0: and now we come to the um, gorgeous Bridgerton um, which many people will know about being the number one series on Netflix yeah,
1: yeah. I mean it's just a lot of fun it, it, was, it was hard because I was on the road a lot um, but they, I mean it's just it looks delicious doesn't it, it's just mm. delicious the whole thing is Costumes, uh, Golders wigs, my gorgeous Queen Charlotte, Um, yeah, the writer, everything. It was, yeah, it's a giant, giant jigsaw. I had them all prepping for months before dancing lessons, ethics lessons. You know, Phoebe had to learn side saddle (laughs) in a dress. Uh, You know, just, yeah, it was just, it was was pretty uh, intense for them all. And a lot of outfits, yeah. So, um, I think season two is going to be exciting because, you know, it's about Jonathan Bailey's character, Anthony. And um, and it's just, yeah, each each story, each one of those books is great. So, um, Chris Van Dusen is going to have a wonderful time, I think, putting those together. The Writers' Room mm-hmm. is a is collection of writers that he puts together. In, and, uh, he, you know, and he, he sort of does the overarching stories. But, yeah, absolutely brilliant um, experience.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, something that I've, I actually found this out through through yourself, Sarada, but I went on to Netflix and uh, you put the link and i pull up 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 there and then, boom, there it is, Bridget. And now that must be some moment because I know it, it's it's a strange thing. It's probably a new thing, but on a streamer, the first page you see is your project, and it 's there straight away you know the the faith that they're putting behind you is is huge isn 't it
1: um, yeah I mean basically yeah I mean. You know... You know, they've done a deal with Shonda so she's still got quite a few projects that are coming out and they're all going to be phenomenal because they're just great at writing and you know if you look at what um you know Netflix has got in terms of her shows and, and Betsy shows you know they've probably got five in the top ten so you've got you mm-hmm. know how to get away with murder scandal mm-hmm. you know, they mm-hmm. just know what they're doing and Chris mm-hmm. Swannickson just nailed it I kept saying it's like gossip girl meets Jane Austen you know so it's just that scandalous sort of sauciness, and and actually um, the intimacy scenes I thought were doing were done really tastefully. And mm. It did mm. go down quite well. Um, we didn't expect it to you know, uh, go down quite so well uh, that side of it, but yeah, it's great. And also, the cast are just really, really gorgeous. They're all just lovely. Um, I mean, so if any, any,
0: anyone was not seeing it, check it out because it's you know it's for a writer, it's really interesting to look at it because it's. It's not, there's a, beneath this kind of, you know, there's a lot of really good looking people in there and and it's got that kind of showiness about it um, that you want in the period drama, but it's also got that that kind of level of depth in the sense it's a period drama for the 21st century. You know, that's what I picked up from it.
1: Universe, or you know, it's got huge diversity in it. Queen Charlotte, you know, was obviously, uh, you know, she was actually of mixed race, so we did it truthfully. Uh, and like I said before, so yep. about making sure that the that the, the you know that everything has its own volume and what they did with the music on on the editorial is is fantastic. I was there for the shoot period. I didn't uh, run the post. Uh, that all happened in LA. Um, and um, and Netflix did just an amazing um, you know campaign for route to market, which started in prep. You know uh, we employed an EPK um, guy to come in and and, and sort of do um in fact me and Chris both part of the dancing classes, uh with the most wonderful choreographer jack um and Sarah bridge uh, put all the musicians together, and each one of those balls are all seen, you know, so the attention to detail was there that's the thing it was uh and it, it was it was a complex jigsaw um but I was exhausted at the end of it <laughs> well,
0: it's all there <laughs> on the screen, it's all on the screen, you can see it. You know, yeah, and and I think that's probably the one satisfaction you take of it through the exhaustion is knowing that the work's gone somewhere and it's there.
1: I think for me, after doing that, like the thing that I'm doing now is is again, it's totally taking me out of my comfort zone again on this new project, which unfortunately I can't tell you anything about because it's not in the press yet, but it is going to be uh, phenomenal and it's very relevant, is what I'd say uh, politically. Uh, and so, if you sort of think of all of the things that I've been doing, this is a mixture of all of those, and in terms of the um sort of production value you know aiming high that is that is definitely what this next one is for me, moving into something else what i, I and i don't know if I should say this because things tend to happen when I say it, but I would like to hang out with goblins and um and witches and wizards and and maybe some fairies so Something that's a bit more high fantasy. I know Lord of the Rings is already, you know, being done by Amazon, but something like that I would love to do, you know, just something otherworldly, but not in space. I don't want to go to space. I need to just be, you know, maybe forests or something. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, we had Will Hugh Jones is, my, is, is the production designer of Bridgerton, and um, oh, I'm so pleased to have him. He's such a comfort blanket for me. Because it was like walking around with um a historian, you know we would get to a property, and he'd just literally stand outside it and say, "No, nope, it doesn't work because the windows are wrong, you know <laughs> but uh yeah, he took us we went on month's worth of um months and months' worth of 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 research looking at locations. there is probably not a palace or a castle that I don't know about. So it was literally, it was so much fun just doing all of that. And actually, every time we did a show and tell to to, uh, Shondaland, they were just, wow, you know, and literally, you know, just the gorgeousness of the things that we were showing them. And the DP, Jeff Joe, who I have completely fallen in love with, uh, he did Dirty Dancing. And he just literally, you know, he would just walk around just going, oh, my God, this is just amazing. (laughs) So I think, yeah, there's not much to not enjoy about it. I think for the cast, it's quite hard when you're having to put all those wigs on and doing that in PPE can't be easy. Oh. You know? Yeah, that must be yeah. hard. It's hot in the summer and you're on a on a facilities truck. I, I, I think that would be difficult. So let, let's hope they give them air con. Yeah.
0: And um, Emily asked you, you'll, you'll be on board for seasons three and four.
1: Uh. I don't know that I. I don't know that I am. No. I. I, I think uh, we'll see. Uh, I. I don't think so. No. I mean, there's just I've got so many other projects coming up as well. But I. I definitely will go back and see them. I will go go back and have a look and see. But the next season is going to be amazing because Jonathan Bailey is just a dream and he's playing Anthony. So you've got a lot to look forward to. It's going to be mega.
0: I think, you know, you know what, you've been really generous for your time, Saradis. We really appreciate you joining us. And I don't think we've lost anything from doing this down the pipe, but maybe one day we'll do it in a in a, real place, in a, in a pub. Yeah, in a <laughs> pub. Oh, what an idea. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, we we'll get some really interesting questions <laughs> yeah, I then. Know. I haven't
1: been to a pub or a restaurant yet. I haven't braved that yet. Have you no. braved that? You have, oh she has? Okay.
0: Uh, I see a f- few smiles going on there. I think, I think a few ale have been hit up in the last few days. Sarada, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, no, it's absolute pleasure. You know, I mean, what I would say to any of you is if you, you know, if you do want to get into the industry, the first thing that I used to always ask the students when I taught at the university was, do you have your driving license? And if you don't, get it.
0: We were joined by producer Sarada McDermott. Lexicon, the official podcast of Liverpool John Moores University Creative Writing. Next time, Horatio Clare and Jeff Young discuss their recent publications.